Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casseline, the French football podcast with the accent. Uh, Jeremy Magan, your host over here. Uh, Jezat, you press, uh, those are the nicknames that I was given uh, back in Australia. Uh, thanks for, for coming once again. Of course, it's um, it's kind of episode one of the post-season, right? The season was over now um, just about 10 days ago. And uh, we've had just a, a two, two more games of football since the playoff for promotion relegation. So we're going to quickly touch on that and unfortunately we're going to talk about off the field stuff rather than on the field stuff when it comes to um, these two games but also after that we're going to start the recap of the Ligue 1 season 21-22 uh, and we are going to do it position by position so the, the first episode of that postseason will be about um, goalkeepers we, we will do that for the whole summer uh, each episode we're going to look at one position and the players that probably impressed us the most of course goes Goalkeeper is where there'll be the the least um, choices, um, evidently, and uh, and we'll also follow the the transfer market in the meantime. So uh, we'll kind of paper it with information, and the few information that we already have um, will be given today. We will jump in straight into that first episode of the post season twenty one twenty two. At first, as usual, a bit of music. Episode will start, I guess, on the on the dark note, um, so to say. Saint Etienne is officially relegated um, in in second division. Auxerre is of officially promoted in first division, which is great for for Auxerre to see a club with such history coming back into Ligue 1. And players like Gaëtan Charbonnier or or, um, or Hein will be coming. The goalkeeper actually was pretty um, impressive as well all season, uh, but. Mainly the, the the star, I guess, of Auxerre will be Jean-Marc Furlan, the coach who's done so well in Ligue 2 this past um, couple of decades. Four times he was able to bring a team back to Liga. Um, he's done a bit less well in Liga, so we'll see what he's able to do if he stays with Auxerre after the um, summer. The game, first game finished 1-1 in uh, in Auxerre. The second game, 1-1 in Saint-Etienne. Uh, in each game, it was the away team who scored first and the home team who came back. Of course, with two 1-1 um, draws, it went to um, extra time and eventually to the penalties. Um, Auxerre won the penalties because Budabuz saw his uh, penalty shot uh, stopped the very first one of the series. And then after that, every one of the nine penalties were shot, were scored. So Auxerre ended up winning 5-4. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, the what happened after that on the pitch was pretty, uh, pretty terrible. I guess pretty shameful, um, horrific. I, you know, I don't think we should be afraid of the the words. It almost kind of looked like um, it was civil war at the Stade de Guichard and and some scary stuff. Um, some uh, some flares launched at the two benches. I mean, I know that that's where the police was and probably that's why the flares were sent that way. Uh, but there's a lot of images of circulated on social media uh, about kids being um, taken, uh, to kids being, excuse me, um, almost um, reached by the flares and uh, uh, ju- just some scary stuff and things that don't have their, their room on on our Ligue 1 stadiums on 
any stadiums. I mean, it's been a pretty um, complicated week, I think, in France for, for stadium security and fans. We all know what happened in the Champions League final. All the stories about um, the Liverpool fans stranded outside um, the the fans from, I don't know where, trying to get um, in without paying their tickets. Um, it's, it's, all been, it's all been pretty bad. And then the fact that three days later... Uh, what am I saying? The day after, um, you have that happening in Saint-Etienne. Saint-Etienne fans who had already been one, twice, three times this season about potential, um, you know, misbehavior. And, and it was expected that, you know, I, I think there was this this feeling that if Saint-Etienne does win the game and is maintained in Liga, uh, you would see the same scenes of like joyful pitch invasion that you're seeing in England or that you're seeing in other countries. Um, but I think it, it's probably about time that the authorities understand and, and are aware that in France it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to be joyful pitch invasion in clubs that have such uh, a, a large history and that have been struggling for so much uh, for, for uh, in, in recent times. I mean, you know, if we see what happened in Ajaccio a couple of weeks ago when they secured their um, their Ligue 2 um, second place, which means that they were promoted, it's a game that they played against Toulouse. Toulouse was already going in Liga, so the fact that they win and they, they validate their promotion... Of course, the fans can can celebrate because the fans of Toulouse that were in the stadium were also in a cheerful mood because they already had their, their promotion. So I think it's about reading the crowd and understanding what's going on before you allow, because I think in Saint-Denis it was allowed that there was going to be a pitch invasion before you allow it. Um, yeah, read the room. Like uh, Saint-Etienne fans have been, um, you know, upset, angry, disappointed, rightfully so for, for the past four or five years. You know that... There's a 50-50 chance, especially when you get to the penalty shootout, there's a 50-50 chance that this is going to go pear-shaped. And I feel like they, they haven't anticipated this the right way. Um, like I said, I think, you know, there was there was kids in that um, in that stands behind where the police is. There was obviously the, the players, the staff, the coaches. Um, it's just ruining it for, for a lot of people. Um, and it's not what we want to see in football, obviously. Uh, I think, you know, fans like these just don't have, just shouldn't be in, in stadium. They should be banned for life. Um, I, th- I think that's a no-brainer. Uh, I also think that, you know, if you can't have a stadium without, fences and nets to prevent this just put the nets on or put the fences on put something on put more police on you know how dangerous um this could get and you know that this is a stadium that is bound um to have issues that way so it's just a very disappointing weekend as far as i'm concerned um seeing all the stuff happening in france uh, i mean you know there's the yeah, there's war three countries away, and then we're not able to uh, behave for a football game. It's it's just a it's just a shame, and I hope that it's over. I hope that next year is going to start a different way. Uh, for Saint Etienne, there's probably going to be a lot of sanctions taken, um, probably a few a few matches uh, banned, potentially some points taken off um, before even they start their their league league two campaign. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I had to talk about this first. I just thought it was uh, it was one of the worst things that I've seen in on a football pitch in a very long time. And I think that, you know, we were probably very close from, from actual drama. If the flare hit somebody in the face, if, uh, you know, if they, they started throwing fences, it took an hour or two for the police to bring everything back into control. Um, I think things could have gone really wrong and I don't understand why 
it needs to be that way when it's a football game. I understand the dis- disappointment. I understand the anger. I understand that when you know your club, the passion is there and that you seeing them going down is, is sad, but it's not like they were not expected to go down. So I feel like it was, it was, they, they came in with ill intentions. They wanted to create chaos. They did. Uh, and now they are the, the shame of the whole of Europe uh, because of what they've done. And I think they deserve to um, be punished severely because because it's just not what you do anyway i'm, I'm kind of done talking about this um so it, it was really um annoying okay let, let's let's uh let's move on let's talk about things that are a bit more interesting let's go into um i guess the the, the first episode that i was saying of our post Liga season so Liga 21-22 we've, we've talked about it all year of course Paris Saint-Germain um, champions early Marseille finished second um, we know that Bordeaux and Metz and now Saint-Etienne have been relegated um, I, I decided you know we, we, we talked about it with Baptiste before with Liam as well um, to do um, you know a bit of the best players of the season or, or things like this and I decided to go a bit position by position so today I'll be on my own but I'll have uh, guests back on soon um, so position by position we'll start with the goalkeeper and so the way I, I did that basically is at first you know I kind of looked looked at my memories or, or or what I remember from the season or the games that I've watched and I thought to myself you know who, who were the four best goalkeepers um, that I've seen this season uh, and, and you know very quickly you think Benitez, Rajkovic, um, potentially Matt Sales, uh, maybe Paolo Lopez, maybe Anthony Lopez, maybe Alexander Nubel from, from Monaco, who had a good end of season, Marco Bizot in Brest, um, actually had a pretty solid um, season as well. I mean, at least had a lot of saves to make, right? He was kept busy. Um, and, and so I was thinking, you know, do do stats back um, what I'm thinking uh, and who would I think is the best um, goalkeeper in Liga? Um, spoiler um, alert, I, in my mind, Benitez is the best goalkeeper this season uh, because he was so instrumental in uh, in Nice's good results uh, and because he's always been a very good goalkeeper. And even when I was uh, doing my uh, my team of the year for, um, for our friends of the uh, Liga podcast, um, I said that Benitez was going to be the, the best keeper as far as I was concerned. Um, so, so I decided to go and check if the stats were um, were backing up my feeling. Um, so I'll show you the stats that I was um, looking at. There it is. Uh, and and so basically, uh, you know, it's it's basically the, the first thing you want to check out, right, is the clean sheets. Um, Walter Benitez at 14 clean sheets. Matt Sells, 13 clean sheets. Alexander Nubel, 11 clean sheets. Uh, Pedro Rajkovic, 11 clean sheets as well. And then Paolo Lopez and Alfred Gomez, 10 clean sheets each. Um, you know, I feel like you can kind of put it down too for Alfred Gomez, Paolo Lopez, Matt Sells, um, some great defenses. Um, and Matt Sells maybe a little bit less, but Paolo Lopez, um, for sure, the style of football that Marseille was playing, uh, the possession-based, um, you know, maybe he, he kind of reinvented the role of goalkeeper a little bit under Sampaoli by playing more of a sweeper role than a goalkeeper role. But eventually, he also lost in position because he made a few mistakes. So that's why he was not uh, in my top four. Um, and looking at, I guess, the overall um, the overall stats, I decided that Benitez, Sells, Nubel, and Rajkovic were probably the four best goalkeepers that we've seen this season. Um, so I'll start in Strasbourg. I'll start with uh, with Matt Sells, uh, who, as you can see in some of those um, 
statistics. Uh, isn't at least on paper one of the best goalkeeper in France. I mean, he's only appearing in the top nine, in the top ten in um, in the saves. He made eighty six saves this season, um, and, and he is, as far as I'm concerned. Still a, a great goalkeeper. I think he's got uh, awesome reflexes. I think for a keeper um, after a long injury to come back to the role that he came back to um, is impressive. And I think it was instrumental for Strasbourg to get where they wanted to get. And, you know, the, a lot has been said about Julien Stéphane and what he's done at Strasbourg. I think the way he developed the defence to be a bit more um, impermeable, to be a bit more solid, a bit more dense with uh, with the likes um, of Alexander Chiku and, and, and Perrin, of course, uh, and Niamzi. He's really developed his team into, um, I guess, a strong defensive unit both by their defensive action and also by their ability to keep possession and to allow as little um, as little ball for the opponents as possible. Um, and so I think Matt Sells, uh, in, in a few, in more than a few times, has really helped Strasbourg keeping those results. Um, you know, though when the games are close one, if you have a goalkeeper that can give you one or two um, important saves, it's all the difference, right, at the end, and that sells is somehow a little bit underrated, but I think in Strasbourg he's really done some good job. I mean, 13 clean sheets, it's a, a third of the game of the season that he finished without um, conceding, and I think it's a that, that in itself um, is a pretty um, important stats. Uh, I do think that, you know, a, a keeper like Matt Sells if he was given a less good defense, because let's talk anything, let's take, let's not take anything, sorry, away from the Strasbourg defense, they were awesome all year. Um, I think he's the kind of goalkeeper that just has so many saves in him. He's good in the air. He's good one v one. He's very good at making himself large, um, and he's pretty good on his line as well. Um, so, so that was one of my uh, one of my three cho- with my four choices. Um, the other choice that I had um, in mind, of course, was Pedrag Rajkovic, the goalkeeper from Rennes. I mean, he's been one of the um, best goalkeeper in Liga for the past two or three seasons. Of course, the narrative is about his um, his penalty kick um, save average. He, he's he's been awesome uh, in penalty kicks. He you know very famously um, saved two. I think he was six in a row um, last year, the year before. Uh, so he, that that's also that's at first how he got his his race to fame. But for a team uh, who plays mid of the table, mid bottom of the table, like uh, like Reims. To be able to rack up 11 clean sheets is pretty impressive. Uh, and, you know, he's got a solid defense as well. There's Woodfest, there's Abdelhamid uh, in front of him. Sometimes it's Muletzi as well that plays in that position. Uh, but, but I think a lot a lot is about Rajkovic. I think he's got um, he's got that factor, that X factor that goalkeeper have. He reminds me sometimes of Fabien Barthez, maybe because of the haircut, maybe because of um, the way he seems... That is a bit crazy in the way he goalkeeps. I mean, every single goalkeeper has to have a bit of a bit of that. I think in them to be in that position. Uh, but he's a real leader. He's really helping his team in every um, in every aspects of the game. Uh, he's been there for a while now. The defense has developed. I think you can say that the defenses um, can trust his goalkeeper, so they can really uh, play to the maximum of their ability. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the season he gets a move because um, eventually, you know. People are seeing him for who he is, which is uh, one of the greats of, of Liga. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a move and if he really 
um, becomes, I guess, uh, better and better because he's been so strong. Uh, of course, he's, uh, he's Serbian and he's playing with the national uh, team of Serbia most of the times, uh, Rajkovic, and, and I think he's one of those players that um, we'll probably hear about um, in a year or two in a, in a bigger club than, than Reims. Um, you know, kudos to what he's done at Reims, though, for uh, all the service that he's, uh, that he's given this, uh, this small-ish team. Um, it's awesome that he was able to get um, those great results. The next one that we're looking at um, is Alexander Nubel. And, you know, Alexander Nubel, I think I even labeled him, uh, I guess, half a failure when I first started talking about him when he had just arrived in Liga. Uh, and, and, I, and I did that just because um, I, I just really think that he wasn't worth all, all, all the hype, basically, you know, uh, Monaco uh, got a keeper saying um, that he was the, the goalkeeper who was supposed to be the next Manuel Neuer. He's on loan for a couple of seasons. Uh, if, you're, if you're not aware, just as a reminder, he's done one season, he's got another season on loan, and then he should go back to Bayern Munich. Uh, so basically, this was his shot at becoming, um, you know, his own self and at developing uh, and at taking his, his rightful place as um, the heir of Manuel Neuer, both with Bayern Munich and with the Mannschaft, the, the German national team. Uh, and when he first started, there was a bit of disappointment. There was some very questionable positioning on the ball, questionable hands, um, the weird way of closing his angles. I mean, he had the um, like the famous Neuer split where he was putting his, his legs both sides, but just complicated, I think, the way complicated himself in the way he was positioning himself sometimes and, and we've seen some mistakes that you don't expect from a goalkeeper of this uh, of this reputation and supposedly of this talent. He settled, he let the dust settle as well. He you know the change of coach maybe helps uh, for, for the confidence. Um he slowly but surely got into it on your know, rhythm and then obviously is uh, is a big part of that late rush by Monaco. I think it's 10 games and defeated nine wins in a row uh, that ended, unfortunately for them, at the very um, last game of the season where they weren't able to win against Lance, which means that they are now third and going to play the, the playoff in um, in Champions League. Uh, but in, in that last run, it was impressive. Uh, and I think we've started to see what Alexander Nubel can be or who he is now and who he can become as a goalkeeper. is um, reassuring for his defense. He's got all of a sudden, it looks like a different goalkeeper with a great sense of anticipation, solid on his line, solid in the air. Um, you know, something that he probably learned from Manuel Neuer is the sweeper-keeper role. Uh, and at first, we didn't see that at all. And now, slowly but surely, um, he was a bit better um, ball to fit too. So, so a very, very positive, very great end of season for the German goalkeeper under Philippe Clément. Uh, and there's one stat that, that I think is very interesting. It's one of those new stats that has been developed, I think, this year or, or, or the past year and is really looked at for um, to talk about the the um, I guess the performances of goalkeeper is that PSXG um, starts so PSXG means uh, post shot expected goals um, so basically um, you look at quickly expected goals are the um, I guess the percentage of goals that can be scored depending on where they're scored from uh, so if you have three clear chances from like six yards out without any goalkeeper there's a chance that your expected goal are close to three and then depends how many you score um, those expected goals are usually are usually are always um, taken into consideration 
pre-shot. So when wherever you are on the pitch, if you shoot from here, there's an expected goal ratio coming out. Um, looking at all the other the history of the shot taking from there and da da da. da. The post-shot expected goal. I'm getting to my point. Uh, only takes expect, expected goal after the shot has been taken and when the shot is on target, because that's the best way to see um, how many saves a goalkeeper actually makes. Um, so post-shot expected goals is basically um, the shots that are already on target um, and, and their expected goal, um, I guess, mark is obviously going to be a bit higher because they are on target. Uh, so a stat that's very interesting for a goalkeeper is looking at their post-shot expected goals and removing the goals um, that are conceded of that. And so for Alexander Newbold, that was a bit of a long-winded one to, to tell you that. For Alexander Newbold, the post-shot expected goals minus uh, goal conceded is um, 6.5 as a positive. So which means that um, he was expected to score six um, and a half more goals than what he has this season, uh, showing that he had a lot of says to make that we're supposed to become goals instead of um instead of being saved by by new ball and i think it's you know the kind of stat that made me go back to some of the games maybe watch some of the last games uh, and see how important he actually was and see the amount of saves that he actually made um and i think that's a brilliant start of course to be able to judge what a keeper is doing, but I also think if you just watch Alexander Nubel at the beginning of the season, uh, where it looked like he wasn't in his element and there was no confidence, and if you look at him at the end of the season, where all of a sudden he's the boss of that defense uh, and he's really here to help his team, um, you, you can see the difference and you can see why um, it looks like it's only the beginning for the German goalkeeper who's finally living up to his hype, finally seeing how much he can bring to a team like Monaco. Uh, and what better ways to showcase that than to uh, find himself in, in Champions League next season and hopefully helping Monaco um, getting through the, the preliminary rounds to be able to qualify for um, the Champions League group. It'd be, it'd be great to have three teams in, uh, in Champions League this season. The last goalkeeper uh, and the one that I think was the best goalkeeper of the season uh, is, of course, Walter Benitez. Uh, Walter Benitez, the, the Nice goalkeeper, uh, 14 clean sheets. Uh, I think it's 107 saves all season. So, um, so just just about um, three saves, uh, uh, three saves a game. Sorry, just under that. Um, but, but also, you know, the, the ability to to um, concede less than a goal per game, um, seventy-seven percent uh, save in in his game as well, and that PSXJ um, minus um, goal against that I was talking about is plus four point eight. So also uh, a goalkeeper that. Had you know a lot of uh, a lot of shots on target directed at him, and I was able to um, m- make quite a few saves. You know, we're talking about a team that's coached. I'm gonna I'm gonna remove that. We're talking about a team that's coached uh, by Christoph Galche. We're talking about a team that will be built on their defensive ability. We know how Christoph Galche builds his team. We know where they start. We know where they end. Um, we know that it's about being solid defensively and then being able to explode in counter-attack most of the time. I mean, even Christophe Galche said in the, I think it was the last game's post-game conference that he thought this season he was a bit conservative and that he just wanted to like um, ensure that his, um, that his back four was in a good shape before he was starting to develop offensively. Uh, I, think, I clearly think he's done that. Um, but, but then Walter Benitez was such a big, um, important, um, crucial even asset in that squad 
he had a good defense in front of him. You know, Dance um, and and Todibo were a good center back pairing, but. I think their left back was and uh, their their full back, excuse me, was definitely what let them down. Whether it was Danielic on the right or Lotomba uh, or Atal, whoever was available to play, and on the left, whether it was um, Melvin Barr or at sometimes um, sometimes it was um, Amavi who played in that position. Uh, I think they really struggle to find um, the right players uh, and they really struggled to stop the their offense and so although you, you can say that you know dance is so important defensively despite his age and that Jean-Claire Todibo is developing into a really solid defender um, I think there were so many loose balls in the Nice defense uh, you know halfway through the season it looked like they were very tired Nice the whole squad and so there were so many opportunities for other teams to actually go and take advantage of it and I think if it wasn't for Walter Benitez uh, Nice definitely was never in the contention for a Champions League spot um, you know let alone a direct Champions League spot that they, they missed like three games before the end um, you know Walter Benitez has been so good that as soon as he finally got his French uh, passport his French nationality which happened uh, three four months back everybody was saying that maybe he's going to be um, you know Hugo Lloris number two or Gouloris is number three when it comes to the World Cup. I don't think we're there yet, mainly because there's already a lot of talents in that position in France. But I, I was I was impressed with what he did with Nice. It's been two, three seasons that he's been good, but last year it just wasn't as good as it'd been the season before, which was a bit disappointing and, and which led to a lot of rumors about, you know, a guy like Steve Mandanda potentially going to Nice. Uh, but then he developed, developed, he developed. I mean, Nice even recruited Marcin Bulka from uh, Paris as, as potentially a number two who could become a number one, maybe to put pressure on Benitez. Uh, and Bulka had a very good um, Coupe de France uh, season where he brought his team to to the final and he played the final. Uh, but Benitez 100% did an awesome job, an awesome job, excuse me, in the league. Um, you know, really showing how great he is. He's going on his line. He may be a little bit less good in the air on like um, aerial crosses and and um, and corners, but he's so strong on his line that sometimes it doesn't matter. He's solid with um, his ball to fit as well. He's you know a modern goalkeeper, or uh, as you expect from other goalkeeper. Uh, and I think you know they with him and with Jean-Claire Tojibo, I don't know about Dunch next year because he's getting older. But they really have a solid base to build upon. Um, and, and I do think that, you know, in, in a season where the goalkeepers weren't the highlight in France, you know, every season we have one or two goalkeepers that were like, oh my God, he's so good, he's going to go to um, a big club or whatever. This season we didn't really have this. I mean, of course, there's the story about Alban Lafont always because he's one of the best young goalkeepers um, in the world. But I don't think he's done that well at Nantes. And to be honest, he's not the kind of goalkeeper that kind of like Edouard Mendy, I see going to a big club and, and be a starter straight away. Uh, but I think Walter Benitez in, in that mist of keepers that were just so-so, um, I really think that he he, he showed his best face. Um, and I think he is probably single-handedly the reason why Nice was able to be where they are um, at the end of the season because he made so many crucial saves um, to uh, to keep his team afloat. So that's my, my top four, basically, of goalkeepers in Liga. Walter Benitez, uh, Alexander Nubel, Pedro Rajkovic, and uh, Matt Sells. You know, tell me if, if you agree, if you disagree. Uh, you know, of course, there's a lot of keepers that could have been mentioned. Keylor Navas. Um, I don't I don't think Dunaroma is better than Navas, but Keylor Navas could be mentioned. Um, of course, Alfred Gomis with Rennes. Um, Albert Lafont with, with Nantes. Uh, you know, 
Anthony Lopez with Lyon. I think Lyon can thank Anthony Lopez because in in some games when Lyon was really struggling, Anthony Lopez probably um, held them up high. Um, I, I talked about Paul Lopez, of course, for Marseille. You kind of change what the role was, uh, but but I think you know in. Again, like I said, it, it was not a season where we had two, three superstar goalkeepers emerging out of Liga. Uh, but in that season, we've still seen some interesting things. And I think, may, more importantly, maybe we're seeing goalkeepers that next year might really um, explode. And I'm talking about Alexander Nubo. Uh, in that sense, you hope that Walter Benitez is going to um, keep his good run of forms. Who knows where Pedra Krajkovic will go? He's going to be one of those goalkeepers that teams are going to try to, to buy. No doubt, Matt Seld is going to stay at Strasbourg, the, the Belgian goalkeeper. Uh, he's comfortable there in the northeast of France. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens on the, onto the, the transfer market, which, uh, which right now, as far as goalkeepers go, um, is, uh, is basically um, not a lot. Uh, talking about the transfer market, I guess a, a couple of information that have trickled um, this week, I mean, we, we had talked, of course, about Camara going to Aston Villa on a free transfer. Um, there's also um, Chouameni, who's most likely leaving Monaco. Uh, the latest was that he was going to go to Real Madrid, but he's also um, in, in the on the target of, of a team like Paris Saint-Germain or even Liverpool. Um, Mess, Saint-Etienne, Bordeaux, you're wondering how many players they're going to lose. Uh, of course, Thomas Delane for Mess has already signed uh, for, for Reims. Um, you know, I think they need to... There's a, a few players in there that A, need to leave because in Ligue 2, you can't really pay their wages uh, and B, will do whatever they can to come back into Liga. Uh, in saint I think there's like 9 or 10 or 11 players out of contract. Colosse, Jack, I think Kazri, maybe Budabuz. Um, there's a few players that are at the end of their contract, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them go. Uh, Bordeaux and, and Messi might be a bit of a of a um, different story. Uh, but yeah, and then as far as the rumors go, you'll hear, as usual, uh, 305,000 rumors about Paris Saint-Germain and who they want to bring in and say about Marseille. It was very too yesterday. Uh, the day before, it was Etienne Capou from Villarreal. Uh, there's always going to be a lot of noise about them. We'll only talk about um, the transfer that do happen uh, and um, and we'll try and keep those episodes short during the, the break just so that you don't get bored too much. So that's the end of um, episode one of the Liga postseason 21-22. Sorry about the, uh, I guess, the, the dark and green start with what happened in Saint-Etienne, but I think it was worth mentioning it. Uh, and I hope you enjoy my goalkeeper uh, ranks. Um, next time, we'll talk about the best defenders in Liga. Feel free to let me know what your thoughts are. Thank you. Bye-bye. <music>